One of the most popular films uh, this year has been The Greatest Showman. Uh, it's a film that tells the account of the life of P.T. Barnum uh, as he sets up his circus full of amazing uh, and unusual people. Uh, the people Barnum invites into his circus um, find a home there. Uh, they find a welcome as being part of the circus, a place uh, where they belong. Uh, previously, these people had been excluded, that they'd been left out, forced to hide away due to the prejudices of people around them. Uh, but as they're welcomed into the circus, they're brought out into the open, uh, they find their feet, they find a voice, uh, and it's moving and uh, it resonates with us. Uh, it shows us uh, something powerful that people sing when they come home. See, the acts in the circus come home, uh, they find a place where they can belong, uh, they can be themselves. Uh, they find comfort in other people who are like them. Uh, they find community, family uh, and welcome. Uh, and because it's a musical, uh, they sing in response. Uh, they celebrate and they rejoice. They can't keep their delight in. Uh, and if you've seen the film, you'll know that that joy is almost infectious. So what has all this got to do with us today? Well, if we are Christians, then we have come home. Once, you see, we were separated from the life of God, as Paul says in chapter 4 of the letter to the Ephesians. We were cut off from him. Once we were excluded from citizenship in Israel, as we read in chapter 2 of this letter, cut off from God's people. But now in Jesus, we have been brought home to God and brought home to one another. We've been welcomed into God's family. We find a home and know that we belong. You see, as Christians, we have come home. And so we should sing. That's actually how the letter of the Ephesians, to the Ephesians starts. With a note of praise and celebration and joyful song. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, if, if you're anything like me, then there are times when it is easier to sing because I've come home. When life is going well. When I feel that my relationship with God is working. When I'm happy and healthy. But if you are anything like me, then there are plenty of times when it's hard to sing, even though I have come home. When life doesn't work out the way I imagine it should. When I experience opposition for being a Christian at, at school or or at college, or in the workplace, or in the family, when I feel like I'm not making any spiritual progress, or when I sense spiritual opposition in one way or another. So we all need help to sing, even though we've come home. And in these verses, Paul gives us reason upon reason to get us singing again today. Because look at verse 3, Paul reminds us that as Christians we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not some blessings, not most blessings, but every spiritual blessing. Every blessing we need from eternity past to eternity future is ours in Christ and is applied to our lives by the Holy Spirit. God the Father has richly blessed us in the heavenly realms, in the unseen world of spiritual reality to which we're connected by faith in Jesus. But even that might not get us singing. 
So in these verses, Paul outlines four major groups of spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ today. Blessings that are ours now that we've come home. Blessings to help us clear our throats and get singing. And the first group of blessings is there in verses four through to six. And that is the blessing of being chosen and adopted. The blessing of being chosen and adopted. Paul wants us to delight in the spiritual blessing of being chosen and adopted. As he says, verse four, God chose us in Christ to be part of his people, part of his family. I find that staggering. As a Christian, God chose me to belong to him. God chose you if you're a Christian. God chose us as his people. He chose us in Christ to be part of this people before the creation of the world, we read verse 4. Before we could do anything to deserve or earn this wonderful status that we now enjoy. And we've been chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight, we read. The picture here is almost like a, uh, of, of um, uh, a master craftsman restoring a masterpiece. Maybe a priceless piece of work that's been faded, become faded or, uh, or damaged uh, or ruined in some way. Uh, and that uh, kind of restorer go, goes to great lengths to, to clean that ruined masterpiece up, to, to see it shine again with the radiance that it once had so it can go on display for all the world to see. It's kind of like that here. We've been chosen in Christ to be transformed, restored like a ruined masterpiece from the mess we're in to be pure and spotless at the end when Jesus returns for everyone to see. Now, this idea of being chosen by God may raise questions in our minds. But before we ask them, let's pause and be encouraged. God chose us. Set his love and affection and kindness on us and chose us to be part of his people. Paul develops this further when he says that God, verse 5, has predestined us for adoption to sonship. You see, God predestined us to be part of his family. We've been chosen to be adopted as his sons through Jesus, his eternal son. As Christians, we've been adopted into God's family. We belong now as an adopted child. We enjoy all the legal privileges of being part of the family. In Paul's day, it was sons who inherited. That's why he uses the language of sonship. He isn't suggesting that women are excluded from this or left out. Quite the opposite. He's telling us that we all one day will inherit the estate alongside Jesus, the beloved son. And all this is due to God's pleasure and will. And this should move us to praise his glorious grace, freely and lavishly showered upon us. This should make us sing the blessing of being chosen and adopted. Friends, what a great reason to start singing again this afternoon. We've been chosen and adopted. God set his love and affection upon us and in his staggering grace chose us to belong to him, to be part of his family. We've come home. And this choice was made before we even drew breath or could do anything to deserve it. My wife Eve and I have known friends who've adopted 
Uh, and there's something beautiful in uh, a family opening up their home to include others who uh, otherwise might be left out. It, it's a moving picture of uh, love and generosity. Uh, and those adopted children are just as much a part of the family as any biological children. Those adopted children really belong. They, they really have security. They, they really find an identity. And it's just the same with God's family. God adopts us. He includes us. He, he welcomes us in. He gives us a new identity and provides lasting security. You see, having taken us into his family, God will never kick us out, never disinherit us, never abandon us. So if part of the reason you can't sing today is because you feel a rubbish Christian, be encouraged. Maybe you had an opportunity to speak about Jesus at school to a friend or at the water cooler in the office and you messed it up. Maybe you lost your temper with your kids or your parents on the way to church today and blew up with them, blew up at them in the car. Maybe you think God made a pretty poor choice in bringing you into his family. OK, maybe we have areas to grow in, but know that God has chosen and adopted you. You don't belong in the family on the basis of your religious performance or your spiritual pedigree or your spiritual progress. You belong because God has chosen and adopted you. So look beyond yourself and sing again. The Father has welcomed you into his family. Start singing again today because of the blessing of being chosen and adopted. That's the first group of blessings to get us singing again today. The blessing of being chosen and adopted. The second group of blessings to get us singing today is the blessing of being redeemed and forgiven. That's verses 7 and 8. The blessing of being redeemed and forgiven. Paul wants us to see the wonder of being redeemed and forgiven. Verse 7, Paul writes, In Jesus we have redemption. Now, redemption is one of those big Bible words we easily use, but we don't always know what it means. And it basically means being Bought back from slavery at a price so that we can be free. And we have been bought back from slavery to sin. Bought back from the bondage that our sin caused. And what price was paid to set us free? Verse 7, his blood. The blood of Jesus shed as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross. That ransom paid so that we could be free. And freedom means now we enjoy, verse 7, the forgiveness of sins. We are set free from sin, liberated from its clutches, forgiven now, washed clean. No longer having to face the awful consequences of rebelling against God and disobeying him. All because Jesus shed his blood to purchase us to belong to God. This is the result of God's grace, we read. His undeserved, unmerited kindness lavished on us in Jesus. See, this blessing of being redeemed and forgiven should get us singing. Friends, what a great blessing. You see, without Jesus, we would still be slaves to sin, captive to its power and influence. We would still be in bondage and unable to get ourselves free. 
And it is wonderful to be free. Over the summer, um, I read a book recounting the events of September uh, 1944, when um, Allied paratroopers were dropped into occupied Holland uh, with the intention of seizing a number of strategic bridges in the country to allow rapid Allied advance upon the German border. Uh, uh, What was most moving uh, in the book was uh, the uh, stories of ordinary Dutch people who celebrated when they were delivered who celebrated when their towns and villages were uh, released from Nazi occupation. Uh, They took to the streets to celebrate that their lives had changed very dramatically. Their awful situation had been overturned. They'd gone from being people who feared for their lives to people who could walk freely uh, in the open air with the sun shining on their faces, no longer fearful of a bullet in the back. Uh, Well, we, we have experienced far more dramatic liberation than even that you see without Jesus we would be facing a huge debt that we owed God for our rebellion and sin and would have no hope of ever paying it back there would be no chance of us improving this situation on our own yet wonderfully God lavished his grace on us he sent Jesus to die for us And has united us to Christ by faith, so that we now know redemption and forgiveness in him. So if part of the reason you can't sing today is because you feel conscious of your sin, then be encouraged. Maybe you are painfully aware of your struggle with sin. Maybe even now your heart is reminding you of your failures and condemning you. Maybe you feel that there is no hope that you could ever overcome that sin struggle in your life. Well, okay, sin is never something we want to take lightly. But but look beyond your sin and see Jesus, the one who died for you and shed his blood to free you and forgive you. There was uh, an old uh, uh, Scottish pastor Uh, called Robert Murray McShane, um, who once gave his congregation some brilliant advice. Uh, He once said to them something along these lines. He said, for every one look you take at yourself, take ten looks at Jesus. For every one look you take at yourself, take ten looks at Jesus. Friends, that is great advice, isn't it? For every one look you, you... you take it yourself today and see your sin, your failure and your inability, then take 10 looks at Jesus and see his love and his grace and his death for you to secure your freedom and forgiveness so that you might find fresh hope, joy and energy to fight sin and live for him. You see, we, we need to look inside. We, we mustn't cover up our sin or minimise it or, or excuse it. Uh, we, we, we need to face it square on but we can only do that if we look beyond ourselves at the same time and take 10 looks at Jesus our great and wonderful saviour and start singing again because of the blessing of being redeemed and forgiven the blessing of being redeemed and forgiven that's the second group of blessings to get us singing 
the, the third uh, blessing to get us singing today is the blessing of knowing the destiny of all things. The blessing of knowing the destiny of all things. That's really verses 8 through to 10. Paul wants to encourage us with the blessing of knowing the destiny of all things. Because Paul says we know where all history and all reality is heading. We know the destiny of all things. This is something that God has revealed to us. It is a mystery, something we would not understand otherwise, but something that God has shared with us. You see, we see here God has a sovereign purpose that he's working out. Verse 10, in Christ, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ when Jesus returns. And what does that mean? Well, <laughs> it means that God is working to bring together all things, all the different fragmented elements of created reality in and, and under Christ. You see, since our first parents rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, uh, the story of life and reality and human experience has been one of fragmentation, alienation, separation, distance, uh, isolation, uh, 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 moving away. But God is working to overturn this and bring order once again to reality. He's working to bring all things together again in and under Christ. History has a purpose. It, it, it is going somewhere. It's to be brought in and under Christ. And God has the wisdom and understanding to ensure this purpose is achieved. This is the blessing of knowing the destiny of all things. Friends, we know the destiny of all things. And that might sound quite abstract, but, but it's wonderfully good news. Because if part of the reason you can't sing today is because you're fearful of the future, uncertain how Brexit will work out, join the club, <laughs> or worried about your kids, or, or anxious after joining a new class at school or university, then be encouraged. Those are all challenging things and need wisdom to navigate. But, but look beyond them to see God's ability to achieve his purpose and unite all things in and under Christ. Because this means the world is not ultimately uncertain. We know where history is heading. We can be confident God's plan is on track and will be achieved. And how do we know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> We know this because already God has raised Jesus from the dead. Already Jesus is, verse 20 and 21, seated at God's right hand, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Already, if we are Christians, chapter 2, verses 4 through to 6, God has made us alive with Christ. And has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Already those things have happened. And these are all signposts, markers, evidences, tokens, displays that God's plan is on track. 
And these things can bring us comfort in troubling days where we scratch our heads and wonder what our God is doing. So take heart, sing again, because of the blessing of knowing the destiny of all things. The blessing of knowing the destiny of all things. It's the third reason to sing today. And the fourth and final reason to sing today is the blessing of being God's possession. The blessing of being God's possession. That's really what Paul is telling us in 11 through to 14. Where Paul wants to remind us about the joy of being God's possession. That idea comes in verse 11 where we see that Jewish Christians are chosen to be God's possession. It's repeated in verse 14 where Gentile Christians are also called God's possession. So Paul is telling us both Jewish and Gentile Christians together are God's possession. They belong to him. And the reason why they're God's possession is because when they believed the gospel, the good news about Jesus, we see verse 13, they were included in Christ and were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. It's like God kind of stamps his seal, his mark of ownership on them, claiming them as his own through sealing them with the long promised Holy Spirit. When I was at, at Bible college, um, uh, the person I shared a study with um, had one of those um, amazing kind of stamps um, that would um, imprint his name in any new books he bought. Uh, he would uh, buy the book and very, very proudly get the stamper out and punch his name into the front cover to, to mark ownership, to stop us stealing the book and pretending it was ours. I have to say that didn't uh, always work, but his intentions uh, were good. Uh, but that seal, that, that mark showed who that book belonged to. And it's kind of like that here, except even better. Uh, the spirit is given to us to mark us as God's possession. But more, verse 13, the spirit is also a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The spirit is the deposit, the, the down payment, the first installment of the life of the age to come. The first fruit of glory in our lives now, bringing us the certain promise of glory even more on the final on the day of final redemption when Jesus returns. All these uh, are the result of this blessing of being God's possession. Friends, if we're Christians, we are God's possession God has claimed us as his own. He has included us in Christ and has sealed us as his very own through giving us his Holy Spirit. One of uh, my colleagues got engaged over the summer. And when we got together as a team at the beginning of the new year, uh, we were all really excited uh, to uh, see her engagement ring and celebrate with her uh, all that that symbolised and stood for. Uh, and, And that kind of idea kind of, is, is, is what Paul is really saying here, that, uh, that in some senses the spirit is a little bit like that engagement ring. Uh, the engagement ring marks that a couple belong to each other, um, that they in one sense claim each other. Uh, and God gives us his spirit in a sense to claim us as his own. That engagement ring is a pledge and a promise and a guarantee of more to come as the hope uh, of that marriage yields to reality when the wedding day dawns and husband and wife are united together. 
So the Spirit is is a foretaste of glory now with the pledge and, and promise and the guarantee of more to come. The wedding ring, uh, engagement ring rather, assures uh, 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 the engaged couple that the best is always yet to come. That they enjoy something precious now but the best is yet to come. It's kind of like that experience you have when uh, you get home uh, from church and you've left your meat cooking in the oven. Uh, you open the door when you get in and just the smell of of, of, of the roast and, and the potatoes kind of hits your nostrils and it's wonderful and it gets you you're, you salivating. I'm kind of doing that now. Um, but wonderful as the smell and experience of that is, it's a marker that the best is yet to come. Not just smelling the food, but sitting down and tucking into it. So it is with God's spirit. He is the seal and the promise and the guarantee and the pledge that however good Christian life is now, and it is good, richly blessed in all these ways, the best is always yet to come. A day of final redemption when we're claimed as the Lord's possession forever. So if part of the reason you can't sing today is because you feel you don't belong or you're worried about being found out and asked to leave the church because of what you're really like. Be encouraged. Look beyond yourself to see God's spirit in your life, marking you as God's possession. We are marked with God's spirit, his precious possession. And we know in our lives the first stirrings of glory with the certainty that the best is yet to come. This should get us singing again. The blessing of being God's possession. You see, people sing when they come home. As Christians, we've come home. And so we have many reasons to sing. We can sing because we've every spiritual blessing in Christ. We can sing because of the blessing of being chosen and adopted. The blessing of being redeemed and forgiven. The blessing of knowing the destiny of all things. The blessing of being God's possession. But of course, if you're not yet a Christian here today, uh, although you are hugely welcome among us and we're so thrilled you're here, uh, please keep coming. Uh, We'd love to uh, get to know you better. Uh, You currently are a stranger to these blessings. Uh, All these blessings, Paul says, are experienced in Christ, uh, uh, in dependence, in union and connection with Jesus by faith. So so if you want to experience these blessings, you need to commit your life to Jesus, trusting him and asking him to share these blessings with you. And he will do. But actually, that makes total sense, given that one day all things will be brought to unity in him, as we've seen. You're just getting ahead of the curve. That makes sense. So, friends, let's all drink deeply from the wells of Ephesians 1 today where we see so clearly how we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's be encouraged to start singing again in praise of our God, in praise of his glorious grace. Let's take this song out with us into the week ahead so that whatever happens at school or at work or in our families or in our communities or with our neighbours, we can always be singing because we have come home.